You're listening to Malta Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. After tournament's uh, final segment, and, and the final segment is uh, none other than uh, my very own Ibrahim Ba, our Ibrahim Badacha, uh, who is, uh, mashallah, an astute businessman who's in the travel industry. He's a humanitarian. Alhamdulillah, I mean, uh, the work he does uh, for Itikweni, you know, to make sure that it's in ship shape, all the uh, things around him are going pear shape. But Bar tries his best to keep it uh, afloat, like uh, the dry docks in Durban Harbour. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm I'm going to run into a dead end very soon. But uh, Bar is a positive factor. Ibrahim Bar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And jazakallah khair for joining us on your segment, Travel Express with Ibrahim Vadacha. How are you feeling this evening, uh, Ibrahim Bar? Uh, Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. First of all, to you, Brother Shafat, uh, and uh, the management of Radio Marqas Sahaba, and of course our listeners, without without whom there'd be no reason for us to be here. I'm in good shape, thank you. Yeah, but the uh, bricks are here. Uh, it's, I hope it's not a, uh, another brick in the wall. Uh, the South African Defence Force uh, coming to the fore, and uh, perhaps uh, one of the most, uh, you know, overweight defense force on earth <laughs> is the South African defense force and the police force. I mean, if you look at the, uh, the, the armies of other countries, watch how the, uh, the Chinese will march, check the Russians marching, or for that instance, even the Pakistani army, there is a regiment, there is discipline. These guys are ship shape. Here we have like, hey, the big five running around and, you know, maybe don't even know their drills properly. Yeah. And now they're going to take care of... Uh, the security of the bricks. Is it another brick in the wall, Ba? Well, uh, look, I can't say much for the armed forces of the country as well as some of our law enforcement, uh, you know, regulars. Uh, they leave a lot to be desired. I'm sure you most probably have seen that old uh, video clip where uh, two of their number were trying to get a third person onto the back of a truck but failed miserably. So it can just tell you that alone would give you an indication as to the state of affairs insofar as the uh, uh, combat readiness of our armed forces. But nevertheless, I guess uh, the fact that they are present and they are armed, uh, hopefully it might uh, deter anyone with the sort of uh, untoward uh, sort of ideas. It is a very important uh, meeting, this BRICS summit that's taking place. and. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a scenario where, depending on which way it goes, it's going to be a, an, a, an, a, an event that's going to be changing the world going forward the way we know it, you know. And uh, this is it. I just hope that uh, they manage to end off on a positive note because uh, the usual suspects are hell bent on, uh, you know, bringing it down, destroying everything and whatever they're trying to do. So I just hope and pray that uh, everything works out well over there. Yeah, Ba, you know, you make a good point indeed. And, you know, knowing the mind that you have and uh, some of your political thoughts, which I really appreciate. And, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're looking at BRICS, Ba, it is a complicated beast. You know, on one hand, it offers the first real possibility for building a multipolar world since mm-hmm. the uh, Bandung uh, conference of 1955. I was somewhere in the other planet breaking the Western uh, stranglehold on global economy, the reliance on the US dollar for global trade and the capacity of the US and its allies, you know, to bomb, invade and sanction uh, countries at will, uh, you know, at, uh, which, which would they do with impunity, perhaps a shift here. But some will say 
you know what? It's only the uh, change of guards. You have the same scenario. What's your thoughts on that, Ba? Well, I, I think a little bit differently. The thing is, uh, time will tell as always. But uh, the fact that they've got uh, so many different players over there, role players, and what started off as just BRICS, and uh, then, of course, there was the inclusion of South Africa, and now it's becoming BRICS+. Plus. And if you look at the countries and the caliber of the, the governments of those countries that are wanting to be part and parcel of this, uh, and, of course, not to forget the majority of our African brothers from the rest of Africa that are all wanting to come on. Basically, they are sick and tired of this colonial nonsense. You know, they've been looted dry and uh, these guys come in and 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 uh, have their army bases there and tell the people what to do, how to run their government, how to run their finances, what to do with their monies and how to use their monies and beg them, you know, for pittances. Of course, you'll get a, a what do you call it, a complicit sort of dictator there, a stooge, basically, that's put in power there. And that stooge just recently got removed in Niger. That's why everyone's uh, running around like headless chickens in the West, trying to think, now, what's the next move? Uh, I just hope it doesn't enter into another sort of conflagration and a hot war that will really set uh, Africa alight. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, BRICS will be a refreshing alternative to the hegemony of the Americans and the West itself. And those are not allies, those are just lickspittles, those are just uh, stooges that do as they are told. You know, nobody goes and commits uh, economic and other suicide of the country like Germany just did because they are listening uh, to the people across the pond over there. So that is the situation we see now, uh, a first real chance for the emergence of a multipolar uh, world where, you know, you can return to civilized norms like having uh, gold-based currency, being able to trade in any other currency apart from the U.S. dollar and uh, things like that. There are lots of uh, uh, positives that can be uh, seen to emerge from this thing. And, of course, the uh, Chinese Road and Belt Initiative and thing where they are uh, looking, and it makes perfect sense, but just because it's a Chinese uh, idea, it's a Chinese initiative and things like that, and whatever them and the Russians are involved, well, it's verboten, as they say, to even uh, think of it or talk about it. I mean, they were looking to link uh, places uh, in China, far field in China, like Shanghai and places like that, right up to get your goods by road. Uh, when I say road, I mean surface railroad, right across to uh, the end of uh, Portugal, for instance, right across the uh, continent, Asia, Europe and everything. And of course, that didn't sit very well with our friends across there. And uh, that is why, A, firstly, they blew up the uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline and, of course, wanting them to sell their own gas and things at exorbitant prices. And uh, as you can see, whatever they've tried, it's all sort of blown up in their faces. The Ukraine latest estimates say that they have lost uh, manpower in the region of 500,000 either dead, lost or wounded or deserted. God only knows, but uh, that's the number. Now, if you look at that and look at the number of people that have fled the country, then what's left of that country insofar as population goes, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, it's all going wrong for them. And I seriously hope that BRICS comes through with some uh, really uh, earth-shaking sort of agreements and things like that, taking on new partners that will further bolster the uh, body itself and uh, lead to better things going forward because God only knows we need some good news. 
Well, you know, you get a full 10 out of 10 uh, for your analysis there, and brilliant indeed. Uh, but, but something worries me about, you know, once referred to as the world's largest democracy, India is a growing economic and political power. We know that. However, under Narendra Modi and the wider Hindu fascist project, mm-hmm. it has, uh, you know, rapidly transitioned from a circular state to a Hindu extremist state. And uh, today's India is highly Islamophobic and openly bent on erasing its uh, Muslim heritage. Uh, Muslims are now, uh, you know, under uh, yeah, under under uh, what you call under yes. siege, yeah. and uh, you know there's genocide being perpetrated uh, on them. And also, we find that the Christians and the Sikh too are on the uh, receiving end. In the words of, uh, you know, the internationally acclaimed Indian author Arundhati Roy, Roy you yeah. are seeing, yeah, she says, you are seeing a sort of fragile, flawed democracy trans- transitioning uh, pretty openly, pretty brazenly into a criminal Hindu fascist enterprise. Those yeah. words are very telling, very powerful. Powerful ba? words. And she, yeah. she's a very good writer. I've read quite a few of her books and uh, she doesn't mince her words. Whether she's uh, writing or whether she's uh, talking on stage, you know, giving a speech, she, she's got the guts and the gumption to say, call a spade a spade. And that's what I admire of her. And yeah, that's a very powerful statement that she's made. And uh, I mean, <laughs> it's the reality of what it is. And uh, sadly, I think uh, they have been keeping company with that other pariah of the world, Israel. And I think this is where all the uh, the uh, oppression and the persecution and murder, outright murder, destruction of property and things like that is going on, uh, you know, uh, unsanctioned by the government, where even the police, the uniformed police uh, officers are doing the same thing, just like you get the... Uh, uh, the Israeli occupation force that just uh, shoots first and asks questions later. So, uh, yeah, we are facing, uh, you know, a reversal of fortunes there in uh, India, what used to be called the, or being touted as the largest democracy in the world is uh, showing some uh, stress and fatigue cracks. And uh, I think as long as Modi is going to be there, the thing is... Uh, He's going to be very, very much the same because if you look at his arrogance and the arrogance of some of his ministers when they are asked a relevant and pertinent question, it's uh, it's quite shocking to think that in this day and age, in the 21st century, that uh, you know they 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 can conduct themselves, you know, in in that position and say the things that they say, and uh, you know get away with it. It it is really disgusting, and uh, I think the sooner the people of uh, India come to their senses and realize what is being perpetrated in their name and get rid of this BJP, uh, you know, people from there. It's going to be more of the same, bar, unfortunately. And I feel feel for the uh, Muslim people of uh, of India. Absolutely, but you know, it's a sad thing. And uh, imagine uh, the worst is accuencing in silence, uh, as you uh, rightfully said, uh, there's the unholy alliance uh, with the Zionist states of Israel. And uh, then uh, you got, uh, you know, uh, sadly, sadly, majority of the Indian Hindus, uh, mm. you know, uh, supporting uh, uh, Narendra Modi. With yep. a, maybe a sinister smile. I mean, look at the, uh, uh, some of our India Hindu members in South Africa. I mean, they're welcoming him, uh, you know, for for uh, to, to bricks, and uh, they're so proudly putting his posters all over. Uh, actually, challenging uh, the Muslims of South Africa and says, "Ah, so what can you do? There's our hero. There's our hero, Hiralal uh, Ibrahim." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, the thing is, uh, you're going to get. Uh 
you're going to get sympathizers, a lot of them here in South Africa as well from the Hindu uh, sort of faith that see him as, uh, you know, someone that's going to be uh, restoring their rightful place uh, in whichever domain they choose to imagine. But them and other Sunday idiots that follow that are really not thinking straight. You know, the thing is, if the shoe, if the roles were reversed and the shoe was on the other foot, I'm sure they'll all be screaming bloody murder by now. But uh, the thing is, because it's uh, Muslim and Islam that's under the kosh, it's fair game for everybody, unfortunately. And uh, having said that, the thing is, by and large, a lot of our Muslim people, you know, uh, give them the opportunity, the reason to be in that manner and act in that manner towards because we have sort of left the tenets of our faith, let alone just mentioning it, let alone they don't even care to practice it. And the thing is, uh, is it any wonder then the wrath of the world, a, whether it's sanctioned by Allah or not, or decreed by him to make us come back to our senses? That remains to be seen how much further it's going to carry on. And the thing is, in unity lies our strength. I mean, we told that. And uh, we are so disunited that even though we are as many as the forms of the sea, the thing is, we are, you know, the uh, whipping boy of the world, unfortunately. Yeah, and you find, uh, you know, a lot of uh, alliances between Aramco and India oh, and all these things. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we rather, we rather uh, Ba and I can go on talking till midnight here on yeah. politics. Uh, people, let us go into <laughs> our <laughs> our segment of our Travel Express. Uh, well, uh, well uh, Ba, we look at uh, China's uh, open uh, for travel, but few tourists are coming or going. What's happening in, as Ibrahim Gengati would say, China? You remember? Absolutely, can't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <Go>. <laughs> I mean, what's going on with China? Yeah, well, I think for the first time in uh, oof, about four more years, they've opened up uh, the borders and uh, trying to get uh, tourism to, uh, you know, grow again and get people to move. Uh, however, the thing is, uh, stepping into China this summer, you know, it's a tale of uh, and a twist of contrast, basically, on the home front, which is the domestic uh, front. The scene is alive with streets bustling, attractions packed out. And sky is buzzing as air travel makes a triumphant return after a few days, uh, after a few days, few years of absence due to COVID and other issues. But as we glance out to the uh, international scene, it's a different story altogether, Brother Shafat. International tourists remain scarce and uh, their tally reaches a mere 20% of what, what it once was. So maybe one out of five people that used to come is only coming now. So it's one-fifth of the numbers that was uh, originally before the uh, COVID pandemic came into being. And uh, lingering memories of lockdowns and images of desolate avenues cast a shadow over this once enticing global voyages that the people were, you know, taking. And uh, even with the efforts to bolster flights, particularly from the U.S., which was a major market, and immediate rebound faces strong headwinds due to the persistent traveler hesitations. Okay, so that's coming, the incoming uh, into India from foreign shores, that's not happening, right? And uh, fresh findings from an April survey spotlight this uncertainty with a solid 58% of respondents being hesitant to fly out of China this year. So it's, it's both ways, uh, the international uh, scene is being affected 
right? Uh, because they are not uh, quite sure as to going out of their borders. Instead, they are they are flying in between in within the borders of China, and uh, the skies are full, like I said, and uh, the numbers are phenomenal. They have uh, far exceeded the uh, pre-COVID uh, numbers insofar as travel there. And uh, beyond the big city lights like China and, and Beijing and places like that, the other locales like uh, Chengdu, Kunming, Hangzhou and Xi'an, they still the spotlight, of course, as local seek thrills uh, closer to home. And uh, an interesting twist surfaces for global explorers because uh, China's digital check forward payment realm, you know, it's everything digital. They're going to be moving to digital currency in the near future, right? And they've got platforms like WeChat Pay and Ali, you know, like in uh, what's that, Ali.com or whatever. Alibaba. Alibaba, yes. Uh, And those are reigning supreme there. But uh, unintentionally, uh, if you uh, don't speak or understand Mandarin, which is the Chinese dialect over there, uh, the speakers get a bit lost because it transforms a simple task like renting a car, renting any sort of uh, place or, or gear or whatever the case may be for your trip. It becomes a challenge and this is something that is off-putting. And another, of course, uh, setback that they are experiencing is that uh, visas are not easy to come by. There's long queues there. I don't know where from because just now they told us that there's not so many people coming, but apparently uh, it's quite a challenge for overseas people to get visas and it's costly as well. So those that are still eager to travel from uh, international or foreign shores are facing this challenge. And uh, lest we forget, the geopolitical tensions are quite considerable, right? And uh, these just add more complexity to the issue. And uh, as the pandemic echoes still sway travel advisories from far off lands, our friends don't miss a trick to say, oh, it's unsafe, don't go there and this and that. By the way, I just read something. Uh, we got to wait until mid-September to see if it pans out that they are planning to launch a new strain again that's uh, going to start the nonsense all mm-hmm. over again. And uh, of course, therein lies the uh, dichotomy that the Chinese tourism industry is facing. Domestic tourism is booming. And uh, of course, uh, across the digital divide, uh, you know, the uh, international one is really uh, battling. So uh, that's the, that's what's happening in China currently. And uh, it's like I said, it's the first time out that they've opened borders after the uh, pandemic, pandemic. And uh, basically, it's a question of wait and see how this pans out for them. Yes, Abba, very interesting indeed. And also, you know, the reality of that was in the air uh, whilst in flight, a uh, pilot dies after emergency landing. Uh, that, this happened in uh, Panama, landing in Panama. And yep. I wonder the stories of the Panama Papers. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get into the the landing. I mean, he passes away, uh, Ibrahim Ba. Yeah, it's a poignant uh, aviation story. And uh, it is uh, indicative of a pilot's unwavering dedication and courage uh, to amidst uh, a tragic turn of events. Uh, apparently, a few Mondays back, a LATAM, standing for Latin America, of course, LATAM Airlines flight from Miami to Santiago in Chile. It faced an unexpected medical emergency that took a heartbreaking twist in the end. And uh, according to reports, Captain Ivan Andal, 
a 25-year 25 25-year 25 veteran with LATAM, he heroically battled a health crisis that struck during the journey. Uh, as flight uh, as his flight was carrying 271 passengers, it made its way through over the skies, and uh, he began feeling unwell three hours into the flight. And uh, in an act in an act of incredible resilience, he continued to navigate uh, the aircraft until his condition worsened. And uh, despite his valiant efforts, uh, he collapsed in the airplane bathroom and, uh, of course, uh, prompting immediate assistance from the crew. And a swift response ensued, and uh, it showcased their commitment to passenger safety and well-being as well. And at no time was the plane in any uh, sort of danger or out of control or anything of the sort. But in a bit to save the captain's life, the flight was diverted to Panama City. So it wasn't going to Panama, it just was diverted there for urgent medical attention. Tragically, it was not meant to be, and despite the efforts, the best efforts of both crew and medical personnel, Captain Andau passed away. And of course, LATAM Airlines expressed deep gratitude for his dedicated service, professionalism, and enthusiasm over a quarter century of service. And the incident shed light on the remarkable efforts of aviation professionals, bar. Often unsung heroes working tirelessly to ensure safe journeys and flights for travelers around the world. And uh, as we reflect on this touching narrative, we're reminded of their dedication of pilots and flight crew that they, they, they bring to their very roles. And in, that in alone is indeed a testament to their unwavering commitment. And of course, his legacy will undoubtedly remain an inspiration to all who continue to soar skywards. Yeah, good point there, Ba. And also, you know, thinking about uh, with a new technology now, you can actually hawk control or remote control the plane. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I, I mean, I, I believe uh, these big uh, cargo vessels, you know, you're talking about the ships. Even there too, it's remote control yeah, because yeah. The, the, the crew is getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Everything is getting automated, Ba. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it is going, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on which way you're looking at it. Yeah. Uh, you recall when we, uh, we were lighties? Uh, uh, I don't know when the ships came into the harbor. Uh, all the uh, is, you know. Let's go, let's <laughs> go and bring them home and let's go do this. And hey, how we used to get spoiled, Pa? When yeah, we went into yeah. the ships, they, the, the sailors always gave you, like, even the meals. Yeah. Uh, it was like uh, if you ate, ate a meal mm-hmm. on board ship, like you ate on another planet, Ba. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, they pull out all the stops for us. There was no doubt about that. And it was a, a time to uh, savor and a time to remember. You know, unfortunately, these days, uh, you don't get that kind of scenario being played out and uh, people are poorer for it. We lived our lives. Uh, well, we talk about Lufthansa enters a co-chair agreement with SAA and Air Link. Mm. What does the, does this mean for the passengers, uh, Ba? Yeah, basically, it's a new travel alliance uh, struck with uh, Lufthansa, which is the German carrier, and South African Airways, fledgling again, of course, and uh, SAA Link. And uh, it's going to be good in the sense that it will provide seamless connections for Southern African travelers going uh, Europe and internationally on the services of South African Airways. And similarly, for the incoming people on Lufthansa, they can uh, hook up with SAA and Airlink domestically to uh, get to just about any destination that these two airlines serve domestically. So that is the nub of the uh, agreement. 
And of course, it will enhance travel convenience. And uh, this co-chair agreement was just signed recently, and uh, it empowers customers to seamlessly connect domestic flights within South Africa and, of course, uh, Namibia. And like I said, on their route network with onward journeys to, to Europe as well. So uh, it's a win-win situation a, for the airlines as well as for the passengers of both uh, Lufthansa, SA, and of course, Airlink. And you can now book an integrated journey combining uh, Lufthansa or Swiss Airways because they've also got a code share that's been long-standing for long-haul flights to Europe uh, with feeder flights from various uh, South African cities. You know, like if you're in Bloemfontein or somewhere, you can hop onto a plane, get your baggage through checked and things like that. It makes life a lot easier and you'll see it finally at your uh, final destination. And uh, apart from that, I think uh, there will be increased uh, seat availability, flexibility and things like that. And uh, a huge variety of uh, routes to travel for these travelers in the regions, right? And it, 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 uh, this partnership, of course, it uh, marks the revival of the bilateral co-chair agreement that uh, Lufthansa and SAA had before, of course, the demise of uh, SAA. And uh, also these uh, are all Star Alliance members that is a global family and you can loyalty programs and uh, miles and all Voyager miles and everything else. I'm not sure what they call them in other airlines, but uh, your loyalty uh, sort of uh, points and things like that. So uh, it's a promising development for Southern Africa's air uh, escape, I'd say, and uh, it promises smoother, hassle-free journeys for those exploring destinations near and far. That's what it means. Well, by talking about a smoother, hassle-free journey, hey, my next passenger, come here, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, he's a Doberman. No, man, he's a Rottweiler. Yes, sir, Ibrahim Bar. Airline passenger reserves three seats to comfortably travel with his 63 kg dog. Mm. Wow, ba. talk to me about dogs traveling with you. <laughs> uh, I mean, are we literally going to the dogs? <laughs> well, uh, look, ba, over here it's, uh, it's not so prevalent, but uh, if you fly around, uh, you see people that travel with their pets. Huh? But anyway, not in the cabin. Of course, they take them in the hold most times, unless, in, like in this case, it's a, it's a service dog. And uh, this is a great day. And if anyone knows anything about dog breeds, the great days take the cake because they mm. stand almost shoulder high to adults, you know, and they're fully grown. So, uh, yeah, this guy was this, uh, this female dog, I think, was uh, weighing 63 kgs. And uh, of course, being a service dog, uh, the American Airlines, I think it was, that uh, allowed uh, the dog on the plane. Okay. And uh, the passenger's name was Kibon. And uh, en route from Los Angeles to New York. And uh, of course, his dog, dog's name was Darwin. And uh, he booked a row with three seats. So he occupied the one, most probably the one on the island, shoved the dog in the other two. So anyway, they were all comfortable and uh, they carried on. And apparently that dog was very well behaved and everyone was quite excited to see it around and things like that. And uh, beyond companionship, uh, Darwin plays a crucial role in his uh, master's life providing him with uh, relief uh, because he's got uh, Crohn's disease. It's basically a painful inflammatory bowel condition and uh, he uses his dog for support. How exactly Allah knows, I don't know, but uh, 
apart from accompanying him to the restroom and offering pressure therapy that eases fear and stress and anxiety, uh, Down's presence is, like they say, transformative. And uh, he's quite quite happy to pay for the uh, extra seats as long as he's got the dog with him. And uh, it feels uh, quite challenging to other people. Some don't like uh, dogs or cats or whatever on the flight. Uh, but uh, heartwarming stories like these remind us of, our, of the love, the support and unexpected moments of joy that uh, pets and animals can bring into the lives of humans. Absolutely, Ba. And uh, I mean, look at the time there, Ba. We're nearly out of time because uh, yeah, Ba and I, you know, we had... It's you who want to talk about Mr. Modi. No, no, uh, but it was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. I mean, that was absolutely brilliant. Modi is listening to us. Yeah, he's got his chumchas uh, <laughs> tuning in. But, uh, uh, you know, Ba, when you look at uh, everything in, 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 in the entirety of this world, and, you know, you have to talk about uh, the, the reality of what's going on. And as you said, uh, you know, you bring the segment uh, Travel Express alive. But, but even, what you said, what you said, uh, you know, uh, it is important because the thing is, uh, by and large, the people are put into a shackle. When I say a shackle, they are so busy eking out an existence where both parents have got to work. The children are thrown this side and that side with grandparents or in a crash or something like that. And they are so busy that they don't really have the time to sit and focus or sit and chat about what is really going on in the world. Yes, they'll watch the TV and the, the propaganda that is spread by the mainstream media. And of course, watch a soapy or two and things like that. And that's the sum total of it. And uh, if you ask them what's really going on, and when you talk about it, two guys are crazy over here. It can't be real. It's too far-fetched and so on and so forth. But the reality is what it is, the writing's on the wall. And the sooner more people wake up to it, uh, the better their chances are of not reliving something worse uh, than what was uh, mentioned in uh, George Orwell's 1984. Absolutely, Ba, and uh, brilliant in uh, your company, your pious and sagacious company. Perhaps your parting words uh, before we let you go, Ba. You reckon it's that time of the day already. All right, let me be you, quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, uh, it is said that uh, a man is known by the company he keeps, yeah? And uh, all to do with the false uh, association. So I'm reading you this that I, I came across the other day. Uh, it is said that a raindrop from the sky, right, just one single raindrop, if it's caught by clean hands, it's pure enough for drinking. If it falls in the gutter, its value drops so much that it can't be used for washing your feet even. If it falls on a hot surface, it will evaporate. If it falls on a lotus leaf, it shines like a pearl. And finally, if it falls on an oyster, it becomes a pearl, right? The drop is the same, but its existence and worth depends on whom it is associated with. Moral of the story is always be associated with people who are good at heart. You will experience your own inner transformation that way. Brilliant, Ba. That was absolutely brilliant. A nice way to end off this evening. You have a beautiful, uh, lovely evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you, Ba, and of course our lovely listeners out there. Have a lovely evening further, and may you always be encompassed in the mercy and protection of Allah. Ameen, so ma'amina, du'a reciprocal for our Ibrahim Ba. Thank you very much, Alukolo, for great engineering. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the team and I, till we meet you again, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.